Good morning. Welcome to the show. And uh, how you how y'all doing out there? Those of y'all who are up this morning, because we know, you know, fam, you homecoming just ended. Know how y'all do, especially knowing that you had Rick Ross in town and and Ricky Smiley. And I mean, the names go on and on. But what an amazing, amazing homecoming. Uh, congratulations, Rattlers. And uh, truly, truly, truly. Y'all struck four times this time. You know how y'all say strike, strike, and strike again? No, no. Y'all did it like four times this time. And it was a great, great homecoming. So happy homecoming. Uh, on to the planning of the next one. And uh, we're going to switch gears here, y'all. Uh, and no, I'm not going to talk football. I might have ask a football question, though. So don't hold me to that. But we're going to switch gears because it is political season. And, you know, I got one of the best political minds uh, in the world in studio today uh, and you know what a guy who keeps his promises because last time we had him on the show he said whenever I'm back in Tallahassee I'm going to come on the show actually in the studio y'all so uh, we've got Bakari Sellers in the studio uh, I, I, you know you know him from CNN <laughs> former state rep out of this little place called South Carolina <laughs> uh, just all around great guy and he has been traveling around the country uh, talking about politics and trying to help Democrats, good Democrats, get elected. He'll tell you why he was in town this week. Uh, so, Bakari, thank What's you, up? man. No, Thanks I'm glad, I'm glad to be here. sitting across from me. I know. This is good. We don't get to do this too much. I'm glad. I'm glad we got FAMU's homecoming out the way. I mean, they, they had probably the second, third best homecoming. In the in in the week, <laughs> see, b- b- behind see, Morehouse and Spelman, the week before. And there you go. There shout you out go. to Benedict College and <laughs> South Carolina State, but you know I'm glad they were able to get together, have a party or something. You know, you you get on you you have no problem <laughs> with your banter. <laughs> you you a guy that that's why I'm glad we're friends because you if you on. If you are on their team, you got their back. <laughs> That's right. You don't care. That's right. I Always. mean, the fights you pick with Deion Sanders with Prime. Now you know Prime. This is this is like a second home for Prime. So you have to be careful here with that. Well, I don't know but how you so don't, he, Prime <laughs> don't need to be allowed down here. What he did to FAMU this year, anyway. So. Well, man, you know. Well, <laughs> but you know what, FAMU, FAMU's gonna be all right. They're gonna be all right. They're gonna be all right. And and that that orange blossom class classic gonna change up one day. And the family's going to have it for a long time. Now, I don't know if that's going to be after <laughs> Dion's gone or not. But but I tell you, this team, this family team plays very, very well. And, you know, before I, I said we weren't going to talk sports. My bad. <laughs> uh, but I have to say this. Before they actually had to go up against Jackson, they went they had to go up against UNC. And they play well. They play well. They play yeah. well. And, and they, they be, were they minus be, about twenty five They beat players. South Carolina State this year too. They shouldn't yeah. have won that game, but they did. They'll be all right. Okay. You just can't allow nobody to put fifty two <laughs> points up on you in no type of <laughs> all right. classic listen, or whatever. Listen, Rattlers, he he's okay. He's got a family <laughs> shirt on today. He's good. Uh, listen, man, this political season 
is, uh, well, listen, it's the midterms. It scares the crap out of a lot of people. And it, it's, it doesn't seem to discriminate. Um, I remember when uh, George W. Bush was in his midterm and they got smoked. I remember when Obama came in his midterm. I think he used the term shellacking. I'm a little afraid of what Biden, if what word he may have to come up with <laughs> this this round. But talk to me about. I mean, you, you're 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 going across the country. What what are you seeing out there as it relates to to the Democratic hopeful opportunity? Well, it's the status quo. I think, and that that doesn't is bode that, well, that doesn't that, bode that doesn't well bode for well. Democrats. But it is the status quo. Uh, you saw the same thing when Trump was president. Um, what you saw in 2018, you saw the fortunes kind of change. I think the Democrats will still win the Senate. I don't. Um, I, I think that Democrats win Arizona um, because we have a really good candidate out there, and Mark Kelly, United States Senator Mark Kelly. I think Nevada is what gives me some trepidation, but the polls look pretty good, better than we thought coming out of Nevada. I think that Democrats win Pennsylvania. Um, and, you know, if you win Pennsylvania and lose Nevada, then you, you know, you're still at 50. Status 50, quo. A status quo. Yeah. Uh, Georgia's going to be a little close. Um, and we won't know the winner of Georgia until December um, because of their, they, you know, if you don't get more than 50% in Georgia, you have a runoff election. So all eyes will be on Georgia again. Um, and then you, you see if a black man named Mandela can go to the United States Senate, which will be interesting. It's a point race um, in Wisconsin, uh, or in the words of the great Floridian, um, the great American poet T. Payne, Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, He's from Tallahassee, too, by the way. Oh, yeah. Let's see, I know where I am. Yeah, um, yeah. And then you'll have Ohio uh, that people are paying attention to in North Carolina. Um, I love, love, love Val Deming. She's one of the best candidates we've ha we've had to put up. Florida just seems to be moving further away from Democrats, and I'm not sure we'll be able to get it back this this uh, this particular election cycle. Well, you, you mentioned Georgia, and I do want to ask you because look, Georgia flipped blue for a moment. Um, do you think that it stays blue? Number one, I mean, does does Herschel Walker lose? Uh, and Warnock goes back, and does, do you see what do you do you see Stacey Abrams having an opportunity here to to actually win? I mean, I, you know, it's close. gonna be it's gonna be it's going to be close, and I think that uh, what you're seeing in Georgia with Brian Kemp is a unique inroads to black voters, particularly black male voters. I just think that's isolated to Brian Kemp and his administration. Um, I do think that there there are a lot of Kemp Warnock voters, which is the freakiest that thing to weird. see. That's it's weird. just so weird. I've, I've, yeah. I've actually had lunch with some and met some. And it's just a fascinating thing to kind of watch. I mean, Stacey is a once-in-a-generation candidate. Um, she's brilliant. She's very, very good on the stump. She uh, has policy for days and days and days. And she's running up against a lot of the kind of age-old things that women who are running for office um, have to deal with. Um, and that's unfortunate. I think, I think Herschel Walker... There are going to be a large swath of independent voters in, in Georgia that just can't stomach Herschel Walker. I mean, he is the antithesis to what most Republicans espouse. I mean, we, we get criticism for black black fathers not being in the home, and yet he hasn't raised any of his children. Um, you know, you, you talk about a level of anti-intellectualism that he espouses. Uh, you know, just the very low bar for him to articulate his thoughts and feelings and emotions. Um, you know, he held a gun to his wife's head. Um, 
in the early 2000s. And so just it's going that in itself is hard for uh, a lot of Republicans in the middle or closer to the middle to swallow. So Raphael will be in a much better position than Stacey will. Hopefully Stacey can make it to a runoff. But I do anticipate Raphael making it to a runoff. So I know you're close to, to President Obama, mm-hmm. um, and I, I do want to ask you this because he last week he said he sent out some endorsements. He's hitting the road uh, to help Democrats. It, is it just me? And I'm not trying to talk about your friend. <laughs> is it just me, or and not just President Obama, but but a lot of other past president and big figures in in Democratic Party? Do they do this too late? I mean, I, I, I go back to 2018 when, when Andrew Gillum was running for governor. It was November before President Obama came down to help him. And, I mean, are we doing that too late? Well, there's, I mean, if you were to ask him, he would probably say, and the people around him would probably say the calculation for him is a bit different. Um, because for as many voters as he excites, uh, he excites them on both sides of the aisle. And so there is a calculation that he takes into account because uh, there there are a lot of Republican voters who were just itching to say that Andrew Gillum ain't nothing but Barack Obama. And then when Barack Obama came, they said, there you go. See, I told you. Right, they even right, look alike. Right. Look at <laughs> him. So, well, they do. Yeah. So there, there is a there is a element of that calculation that he's making. I just think Democrats can do um, we can do a lot different, a lot more messaging fundraising we, we have a relatively stale party and we just have to shake free of that so and man i i i tell you it's exciting for those of you who have never been in the room with barack obama you you it only takes you being in the room about 10 seconds to know why the guy became the first black president of the united states no or question. president period right i mean he's just he's just got this presence and 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 no matter what he says to you, you kind of smile because you're like, that's Barack Obama Correct. talking to me like that. Correct. And then um, there is no wonder either that when you meet Michelle, you sort of look at it like, OK, if he wasn't going to be if he without Michelle, maybe he would have been national U.S. senator. But having Michelle, of course, pushed him to whatever heights uh, they do that for each other, right? Correct. Um, you think she'll ever run for anything? No. She don't want no, no. parts of y'all. She tired of y'all. <laughs> she gave y'all a few years in the Senate. She was first lady. Y'all done talked about that woman, her arms, her garden. All she want to do is write books, go on tour, talk with other women, hang out with Mary J. Blige, be happy, and raise her daughters. I, I love that she's just so authentically her, right? She does, Yeah, does, and they're, they're comfortable. They, gotta, to, yeah. they, have another, they have another air about themselves now where they're happy and... You know, they're still worried about democracy, understand the fragility thereof. They still get out and do the work. They have a 21 and 24-year-old. Yeah. They have one, college, one, one that's still in college. You know, so they're raising, you know, raising children, being parents. Um, but it's good to see them out of the pressure cooker that is Washington. And his hair ain't graying as fast as, as it, it was. was. Right. You know, he ain't chewing 45, you know, little pieces of Nicorette in one sitting like he was. You know, he's, it's, it's good to see them have some balance and relax a little. <laughs> And for people out there, you can attest to the fact that he's still engaged, even if oh, that, even, that, if, that, even if he's just coming out now. I mean, he's a student of no, he's of one politics. of the. I tell people he's one of the top five smartest people I've I've ever met in my life. I, you know, Bill Clinton is brilliant. Um, Newt Gingrich is surprisingly extremely extremely brilliant. 
I'm Hillary Clinton, um, and Barack Obama's right up there with those individuals, and he stays. I mean, he's very in tune with what's going on. He reads, he watches, he um, he tweets. Um, you know, that's all him. And so the things he's doing, the Obama Foundation is doing, all of those things, they, they matter. Have you watched any of the national debates yet? Here, I mean, the governor's debates, um, some of the U.S. Senate debates. Have you paid attention to any of them yet? Any, anyone stand out uh, for you for any particular reason that that we ought to worry or be happy about as we move forward to November? So, I mean, there are a few things. I thought that I thought watching the Herschel Walker, Raphael Warnock debate was interesting because debates. Debates aren't about winning and losing, and that's what drives me crazy with people. They're about expectations and um um, uh, Herschel Walker's expectations were Herschel Walker's expectations were like lower than low, and so he cleared that bar for many people. They set the expectations low, and he he cleared that bar. Um, I was surprised to see how well Charlie Chris performed, and by contrast, how poorly Ron DeSantis performed. I have I don't think he's going to hold up well under light. I think he's probably going to wilt away a lot like Scott Walker on the national stage. Um, um, you know, Stacey Abrams just destroyed methodically Brian Kemp again. Um, you know, Fetterman, um, you see Fetterman's uh, uh, cognitive issues that he's having after a stroke. But it, it's almost endearing because just because he has a pause between a statement or, or struggles to uh, read the question you understand that his his brain is still working and he still has the intellect. And we all know people who've had to overcome. And so watching him overcome in real time is somewhat endearing. Um, that 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 was probably a draw, which is the best. And then Mehmet Oz said that uh, abortions should be between uh, your pastor, your family, and local political officials. Like, <laughs> like, why I want to go down and ask the mayor Tallahassee if my wife can have an abortion? Like, why? Why I need to have that discussion? Like, I don't make no sense to me. Um, and then you just saw Tim Ryan just take uh, J.D. Vance to the woodshed. I mean, that, he just bludgeoned him. And so Tim's got, that. You know, that race is going to be exciting. I, I don't. Ohio is Ohio. It, Ohio is where I'm afraid Florida will be. Um, and that Ohio's drifted that far away from us. Um, but uh, Tim Ryan is the type of candidate who might be able to squeak out a surprise. Right, right. Let's bring it home a little bit. You came to town to help uh, Senator Loran Osley, who's running for uh, Senate seat, well, her Senate seat, <laughs> in uh, the panhandle here. Um, so you, you do a lot of national stuff, but you came down for a state race this time. What, what were your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I think the most important seats that are on the ballot and, you know, I, I don't think they're United States Senate and I don't think they're, they're gubernatorial races, although those are really, really important. You know, I think Secretary of State, Attorney General and these state legislative seats are so important. I mean, we have people particularly like in Arizona, where you, which is a battleground state where you have election deniers who are running for Secretary of State. So you have somebody who is an election denier who will count the ballots. For me, that just is a fundamentally threat to democracy. Attorney generals are so important because when you have your Supreme Court rulings, the people who enforce those or don't enforce them, the people who prosecute uh, uh, in women who had abortions or uh, people who are just voting um, like y'all do down here in Florida. Y'all some wild boys down here in Florida, but people vote and y'all just go pick them up. I was like, I ain't seen nothing like that in a while. And so these state legislative seats are the same. And if 
if Ron DeSantis wins the governor's um, mansion again and has a supermajority, then we might as well just cut Florida off. I mean, like literally take a salt to it and send it on down because it will turn into something that is unrecognizable. Well, and those of us who live there feel that, right? I mean, you're you're in South Carolina, but you, you're a student of it all and you pay attention. But it, it's very true. If uh, Loran Osley in, in particular doesn't go back, um, that Senate becomes a super majority and it, 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 they, they will be able to do things as some of them say sometimes, just because they can. And um, that's that that's a shock. But you and this is but it's not just about politics with you and no. Rand Osley. Y'all have a, a long term. No, we go back we go back to 06. I mean she she's dope. She's a really she's a fighter. She's somebody who loves love not politics. She loves public service. She likes to be in a room. And unlike other elected officials, Loran's okay not knowing everything. Like some elected officials know everything. Like they slept at a Holiday Inn last night. Ain't nothing <laughs> right, right. like. But she's naturally inquisitive. She has this genuine curiosity about. Tell me your problems and how can I help you? Oh, and by the way, I'm definitely gonna help the women and children in the room. Right. I mean, that's just her heart, and her heart beats that way. And it's pretty cool to see her. She moves fast. She we, we were knocking on doors. She was practically running through the streets. Um, you know, she she doesn't. You know, she's okay knowing what she doesn't know. Uh, which makes her a really good legislator. And I think she deserves to win the seat. I, I, have, a, I have a problem with uh, the Republican Party using some of us, um, uh, like Herschel Walker and others, to um, um, attempt to uh, confuse and dissuade and conflict black and brown voters and um, basically use some of us uh, against our own interest. And that, that fundamentally bothers me. And that's one reason... I, I don't want black folk, particularly in this Senate District Three. Is that the right? That's district? correct. Yeah. I don't want I don't want black folk to be confused. And so, if I can be a validator to anybody to let her know that of the people who are running in this race, she is the one who actually has our interest at heart and will show up and listen. Then that that is why I'm here. Yeah. And when y'all first met years ago, y'all y'all ended up doing something together. Yeah. We we were we were I, you know interesting. Yeah. So you know we were in a room about 18 elected officials from across the country, and um, a lot of them I want to say 15 of them. Uh, one was probably with somebody else, but uh, many of them supported Hillary Clinton for president. Lorraine and I were the two who supported Barack Obama, and even back in 2006 when she did that, or 2007 when she did that. I mean, you have to understand that takes a decent amount of vision and courage and faith to believe in this. Like I say, this tall black guy, skinny guy with a funny name and big ears. Yeah. Um, talking about you, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. No. Exactly. No. Uh, but so she believed in Barack Obama, like I did, and I looked over. I was like, oh, she, she dope. We can rock with that, and we ended up being on the right side of history. Well, you certainly are on the right side of history, and you're you're in South Carolina. You are a prominent attorney across the country. And you find yourself in a situation where your voice has become very influential for, for good reasons and you're not afraid to lend it. But one of the questions that people ask all the time is, when is Barack? When is Barack? See, there you when go. Is, <laughs> when is Bakari? The band that can't even tell, the, tell us Bakari apart. When is Bakari Sellers uh, going to put his name back on a ballot? Is there an answer for that or is there somebody else to ask that? No, I mean, it's a it's a. It's an answer. I mean, I, you know, my wife and I are, are very, very, very comfortable. And, you know, I, I just I'm very honest with folks. So I just tell you my thought like I 
I have a unique platform. I've written two books that have been decently successful. I'm trying to be a good husband and a good father. My, my big brothers, like Sean, didn't tell me when I got married that marriage is another job. <laughs> Ain't nobody, they left that fact out, but I'm working at it. We do that on purpose. Yeah, you just, <laughs> way, like, just go on, ahead. Come, come on in. Come see on. you on your wedding day and they just clap for you. And in, the, in a year, you like, man, I got I got to work people, on this too. Why we look at you like this on your wedding day? Like <laughs> yeah, see, but so I'm working very hard to be a good husband and a, and a good father. Um, I, I'm try, I figured out a, a portion of the law that I do really well, which is civil rights work and um, you know, officer-involved shootings and sex abuse victims, et cetera. Um, and I, I really don't have an urge to go and be number 435 um, when there are more people who recognize me when I walk into a church or a building now than they do 350 other members of Congress. I don't really want to work with uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene or Matt Gates. I have no desire. Imagine knowing every day you're going to go work with people that you despise. Sure, sure. Um, but if Jim Clyburn retires in a reasonable amount of time and there's an opportunity, we will we'll look at running for Congress. But that's about it right now. South Carolina is, as much as I'd say how Florida's drifting away, South Carolina has been done gone, as we say. It's not a not a place where we can win statewide. But if the congressional seat opens up, I look forward to maybe, maybe, maybe sticking my toe in that. Well, when you ever, whenever you do that, if that happens, I, I already told you I'm going to come and uh, I'm going to displace myself for about six weeks. Yeah, I don't to, know if you're going to. Yeah, I don't know if I want you working on my campaign or endorsing my opponent. I ain't know which one's going to be <laughs> most effective well, yet. Well, 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 bet on this. I will do whichever one I need. helps you the most. <laughs> So I was a little upset with you came Cox the other day. I'm like, listeners, I'm laughing because I'll tell you some other time. But I was a little upset with you came game Cox the other day. You know, my wife brother coaches for Texas A and M. I have to say it that way because around here we don't they don't like Jimbo Fisher. So I, I can't say it's because of Jimbo Fisher. But man, uh, Sports Center, there were a couple people uh, that said y'all would. Uh, Y'all might win uh, game day. They said a couple of them said y'all might win, but most of them said no. And Correct. of course, the fan vote said no. Did you watch that game? Of course, I watch every Gamecock game. <laughs> seven thirty. It was seven thirty on a Saturday night. Uh, we got uh, they were impressive. Missouri, Vanderbilt, and then we're gonna give you a real reason to make us mad because we got Florida, and so we just gonna we're gonna beat them up. Well, so you be <laughs> we'd be all right with that. So we're gonna beat all of them, and then we got Tennessee and Clemson, and and I, there's nothing about Clemson that I like. It's one way in, one way out, and. They get degrees and cow tipping up there, so I look forward. To, I look forward to wearing them out at the end of the season. Well, listen, I, what I if you can tell me now, if you can predict. Well, no, no, no. Before I go there, I do want to ask you one thing. Where are you on the expansion? Uh, the from four teams to twelve teams in the playoff. Have you have you weighed in on that at all? That's a lot. I mean, I I I still want the. I want to do what is competitively fair to the kids because you're now dragging out a what is it a 13 14 game season and a champion will now have to win 15 16 that's games right. and that that means more injuries that means more concussions that that's a problem um so you're not you you don't know where you are uh, and i also want okay. the regular season to still be competitive okay. okay but you know for me one of the things you guys have to realize is that like we give the acc out of charity one birth in the in the Final Four and like maybe the Big 12 and the Pac-10 I, I don't even know if that still exists they may get they're, a they're hanging in but we get <laughs> I mean we're going to have Georgia, Tennessee or Alabama 
in the Final Four. We'll get two of those, and we'll have an SEC champion, and then we'll have an SEC champion play for the national championship. So. What about uh, name, image, likeness? Is it? Is it? Is I'm it all what for you, it. Yeah. Is, no, no, you're all for it. I know, but is it what you want it to be right now? Yeah. I mean, I, I just did a program for uh, we we're raising half a million dollars for the uh, University of South Carolina women's basketball team. Each girl on the team from. Uh, my girl Olivia, who wears number zero, who doesn't get that much playing time, all the way to Aaliyah Boston, who's the national player of the year. Each one of them gets twenty five thousand, um, and plus. And so I, I believe those girls—they're the best basketball team in, in the country last year, probably this year too—and they deserve it. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. I, the, my bigger problem, you know, we'll we'll talk about the playoffs. I, the smarter people will figure that out. NIL is fine; it will sort itself out. Uh, the transfer portal is going to be interesting and probably more interesting than, than anything else because um, I, I like it, but I do think it's a bit of the wow, wow west. So one of the things that a lot of the, and I know you're HBCU guy, one of the things that a lot of the HBCUs are afraid of is that they're not included in that expansion, right? That that these games where they go and they make a whole bunch of money are not included in that. So they're they, so their political piece of that is is uh, trying to negotiate their own, figuring out how they how that works for them. Um, you're an SEC guy. Last question, football, y'all. Sorry, but he's here, so I have to do it. Um, last thing, the the um, are you for is does is it better for college sports that. It's particularly football that SEC and Big Ten are so much dominant, so much more dominant than everybody else. I mean, do you do you really? I feel mean, like- I, it's just I mean, it's just where we play football. I mean, we just I mean, we just have better athletes in South Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, and certain parts Man, of Florida. Make it out of Florida? I don't know. I said certain parts of Florida. <laughs> I mean, we just got better. I mean, it, it, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, I'm, and now we're actually adding Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't. I mean, I think that. If you want to go play and, you know, play like Georgia Tech or something, then go to the ACC. But if you want to... If and you, then you don't even, you're in Tallahassee, you don't even say Florida State, right? You just, why? I, I, okay. okay. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I was like, Florida, I, listen, Florida State has one of the greatest football players of all time to play this game. And, and his name was Peter Ward. And they have one of the greatest athletes to play the game because you can't play in the NBA and win a Heisman Trophy like Charlie Ward. That also happened when I was like eight or nine. So we have to figure out their relevance today. Well, but the other thing is whenever you talk about top stats and almost anything – FSU still up there, right? Because we reigned so long. So we gonna give them. You gonna give us some flowers for you? You know, I, I like. I mean, I like. I, I love uh, those FSU games back in the day. The the Florida State, uh, Miami games and stuff like that back in the back, yeah back when you were eight. Yeah, <laughs> black and white, and you could you had to twist listen, a little knob a little bit. Bakari Sellers <laughs> is in the studio, and this is why I started off by saying that. If he on your side, you got you, you know you got a you got somebody who's gonna be there for you no matter what. As you could as you could hear what what we just what he just said. So anyway, man, thank you. No, I appreciate you. Thank you for coming, and I know you're here for very serious reasons. For sure. Um, so uh, not not really. Go out and vote, sports. everybody. Go out and vote. Make sure that your church votes, your school votes, your neighbors vote. Don't just vote alone. Make sure you go exercise your right. The future of our democracy literally depends on. It. All right. We're going to leave it there. Y'all stay with us uh, for a short Pittman point right after this. But thank you, Bakari Sellers, for joining us today. We'll be right back after this. It's time for Pittman's Point on 96.1 Jams. Welcome back to the show. And, uh, man, this Kanye situation has risen to a point that we're all paying attention to it. 
uh, billionaire one day, uh, not the next day. You see Adidas and all these huge partners of his deciding not to be associated with him anymore because of uh, his anti-Semitic comments. And wow, what a fall from billionaire status in almost less than 24 hours. We'll continue to watch that and see what happens. But it did strike me to talk a little bit about, in the Pitman Point today, about our freedom of speech. You all, if you saw the movie The Great Debaters, you may remember this. There was an essay used um, on the theory of civil disobedience. And it was used by Wiley College, right, an HBCU, uh, y'all will remember, to support basically using moral convictions um, to force change or to fight for justice. Over the years, people have argued the theory, um, its strengths, its weaknesses, the loopholes in it. Uh, And the theory has been an inspiration to great political thinkers like like Gandhi, like Martin Luther King, and also some not so great political figures uh, like Hitler. I understand that in any society that being politically correct is important because generally we don't don't want to hurt others' sentiments. But offending someone is almost just as inevitable as it is pivotal uh, to achieving some sort of societal progress, if used correctly. Relatively speaking, most of us gauge our level of offense based on whether it attacks our beliefs or ideas versus feeling attacked for who we are as an individual. While many of us base our identity on our belief system, we should consider that questions or commentary on these kindred systems are the first step towards some sort of societal progress. Because as a result, we debate, dialogue, help, and achieve. And that is what will spark real change. When we use our freedom of speech to offend um, an individual or a group of people, we can come off as intolerant and, and our aim at achieving progress or sparking change Uh, extremely futile at that point. So today's listeners, the the Pittman point is that when we defend our idea, our aim should not be to offend, but to spark dialogue, to initiate discussion or debate, because that is how we can all play a part in reviving humanity. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot going on politically and otherwise. Let us be more kind thoughtful of our words, considerate of our actions, and and use that as a catalyst for change in our own way. And let's do that a little bit at a time every single day. I will, and I hope you will. This has been the Sean Pittman Show. We'll see you in seven. This is the Sean Pittman Show on 96.1 Jams, Tallahassee's big station. We got this.